Welcome to the Net Hero podcast with me, Sumit Bose. It is day three and we've been busy. We've split today. Dimmy's been out, snuffling around. He's been uh, doing some investigative journalism. He's been meeting people with vertical farms and uh, he met some Extinction Rebellions, which we'll bring you a bit later on today. But I started my day. We didn't go to the um, COP centre today. We didn't go to the blue or green zone. But we went to uh, uh, one of the fringe events and my day started with some feet that were aching. So I decided to pick up a pair of shoes, not just any kind of shoes. So I'm here on the quayside uh, in Glasgow, and I'm just wearing the most ridiculous pair of shoes I've ever put on. They felt like, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, but someone's just made love to my feet. They're the most comfortable things I've ever worn. And they're called uh, Vivo Barefoot Shoes. Uh, and I, I have no idea what they're about. My name is Joanne Sawicki, and I'm Director of Brand and Communications for Vivo Barefoot. So Vivo Barefoot is a um, completely reimagines how shoes are made. Um, it works from your feet up, yeah. and it's all designed that you can reconnect to nature because most shoes have put lots of cushioning and layers yes. in between you and the ground. And if you're, you haven't got your feet grounded and flat, you can't, you're not feeling nature. And if you feel nature, you care about nature, you feel more grounded, and then you make better decisions about your life, the planet. So the whole objective is to change how shoes are made rather than creating a barrier between you and the ground. It helps you feel the ground and you feel more, allows your feet free movement, doesn't, doesn't hem them in. Yeah. And it, but it supports you where you need the support. Well, uh, we're going to be uh, putting this out, obviously, as the podcast, but we'll be showing a film of this as well. So you'll be able to see it. But I'm, let me describe for the podcast. They look like sort of white trainers, but they're kind of a, a flatter design. Um, they're quite elongated. And I, when I put them on, what was really interesting was that I felt actually that there, there wasn't that kind of resistance when you put on a sh new shoe. It just fits very quickly. And also I've got a lot of wriggle room, like, now, I've got a toddler, and they always do it at Clark's, don't they? They do that. Have you got enough room to, to wriggle the toes? I certainly have. But it's it's kind of made it. Can you explain what the material is made of so people can understand? So everything, all the materials are natural. So but. they're natural or recycled. So we've found the latest in natural biopolymers. We've, we've either used that. We've used merino wool. We use... We use materials that are not going to harm the environment right. or if we essentially have to use some materials they're recycled from something so we're reusing reimagining re-engineering how you actually make them and why we will we'll get you on the 3d scanner on friday is that we we can do the 3d imaging of your foot yes to actually that to find out where your pressure is. points are the idea is that you our vision is that ultimately shoes will be customized for you you'll have your own unique shoe which could be 3d printed at Locally, okay, so let me just bio. imagine this. I walk yes. into a shop yes. in the future. Yes. I go to somewhere and they go, hello, Mr. Bose, your feet. Put them on this thing. They scan them. They say, I've got fallen arches, which I have. And they print the shoe that's right for my foot. That's right what you're saying. Right for your foot, custom made. So once upon a time, we're going back to the days of indigenous shoemaking. Yeah. Once upon a time, you would have a shoe made just for your foot and you have that shoe and you just repair it. So we're going back to that, to that old idea of a customized, localized shoe, but we're re-engineering that using modern technology at source so that you, you don't have all these shipping costs, these complex supply chains. Yeah. And when it gets 3D printed, it'll be in a special bio-friendly, bio-non-toxic material that 
you then when you're finished with the shoe, you send it back in. They reimagine right, it circular, for you circular economy. It's a circular economy shoe. Already, a lot of what we're doing is regenerative and beyond circular economy. Circular economy is an idea where you keep, re but if you can be regenerative, you're actually adding back to, to nature, and that's our vision for both how we do business and how we make shoes. Are these a prototype, or will we soon be able to buy them? Um, no, these are all. On, in the, you can buy them online now at VivoBarefoot.com. Wow. These are these are not the 3D printed shoes. Um, these are these are what we're making right now. Um, but the vision, so, you know, that the first pr printed localized made shoes will be made like next year. And why we're scanning everyone's feet here on the boat and also inside the SEC, we've got all the delegates from mm -hmm. COP and we've got we've had Amazonian elders. That's right. We saw them yesterday. Absolutely. And and we've got. Um, We've got, you know, celebrities and, and world leaders and delegates and climate activists because we've all got two feet and it connects us <laughs> to the earth. And, and if you've got happy feet, you're feeling much better that, in yourself. That is one of the most important things that you... I mean, right now the design is, again, for, for those listening to the podcast, it's, it's like a trainer. But obviously, I mean, there's that casual thing that people have, which they can wear trousers with this and go to the office. But I assume, would there be the idea to have a more formal shoe yes. eventually? So, so like my, my husband's an ecological architect and he discovered Vivo Barefoot at the very beginning, about right. seven years ago when uh -huh. they first started. And he switched all his shoes and oh, that's he? all he wears. Right. And he wears them into business meetings. And like, for example, these ones, they're Chelsea boots yeah. that for women. You're wearing some black boots right now, yeah. yeah and they're, they're, they're Vivos too. Really? And they're so comfortable. Wow. Yeah. So who is the company? Tell us about the company a little so bit. So the company's very, very interesting. So everybody knows Clark's shoes. Yes, absolutely. Every kid starting at school yep. goes to get fitted with Correct. a Clark's shoes. Okay. <laughs> So, so basically, there's seven generation cobblers, yeah. and the and Galahad Clark, the founder of Vivo Barefoot, he, after Clark's got sold, he yes. used the money that he had made from it, and he invested and in, he created Vivo ah. Barefoot, and his partner in it is Asher Clark, who's his cousin, and Asher is a genius designer. He's reimagining how you make shoes. Um, Galahad's very much about restoring, reconnecting to the earth, and they put their two skills together. And created Vivo Barefoot, and it's it's growing, it's That's doubling amazing. every year. From there, we went on to a very different event. Rob and I went to go and film, and again, we'll show you this stuff. So watch futurenetzero.com for all the videos in the next coming days. But we went to film a conference all about Future Net Zero in terms of mobile, how mobiles will actually invigorate and get us to the net zero transition the idea being as we move to a smarter more connected world we'll be using less resources things will move faster the equipment will get quicker so we went to meet some members of a group that represent some of the biggest global names in mobile technology my name is Mats Grandert and I'm the director general of GSMA what is GSMA GSMA is a uh, association, an industry association, unifying uh, the world's mobile operators and tech industry as a whole. So your members are names like? Like Vodafone, like Orange, like Barty, uh, Airtel in India, like China Mobile, like AT&T in Verizon America Mobile, but also Google, Facebook, Airbus, yeah. uh, Salesforce, etc. You're here at this event here at COP. Why? Well, because we are uh, convinced, uh, and we have done many studies, that mobile technology is one of the uh, one of the uh, technologies that can certainly help us achieve net zero. In what way? 
Well, in many different ways. You can take energy, for instance, uh, and energy providers. Uh, today, we have difficulty in, in connecting uh, windmills, connecting solar power panels, yeah. and it's quite a low number uh, percentage-wise. I think it's roughly 10% of the windmills that are connected and 30% of solar panel panels. And being able to uh, switch on and off on renewable energy is a key thing in order to save us firing up fossil fuels. If you look at where we are now, you know, the pandemic has really shown us that in people said, oh, we've got a lot greener because we didn't go to work and we didn't drive and the birds and everything was great. But there's an energy cost. There's an energy cost for us being online. There's an energy cost for me using my mobile phone. There's the huge cost of the servers and the infrastructure and the, 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 the towers. What are you doing as an industry to well, look at well, that? that? That is very true. And, and uh, if you look at our total emission from the telco industry, yeah. it's roughly 0.4% of global CO2 emissions. Now, we know we're working to reduce that even further by installing new technology, but we also have something called the enablement effect. And we take that 0.4%, if we mm. take the mobile technology and we deploy it correctly through energy supply, through transportation, through business and buildings and manufacturing, we are able to save up to 10 times that. So that's up to 4% of CO2 emissions that we are able to save by deploying mobile techno technology in, in the correct but, and I get that, and I think that's a great thing. So, you, you know, we talk about the smart grid, we talk about Internet of Things, and it will enable us to do things like switch my heating off, call my, all of that. But the industry itself, what are you doing to make sure your materials are cleaner, that things don't have a quick end life, that there's more of a, a circular economy? What are you doing to address that, that when you put up a tower, the tower is made of, I don't know, molded plastics that can be recycled. Do you know what I mean? It, there's, an, there's an element of, you know, yes, you're an enabler, but you have to do something about your own net zero. Oh, well, absolutely. So, so we are working hard uh, and we have done for decades of reducing our power consumption. Right. That's one of our biggest yeah. cost items. So rest assured that, and that's one of the reasons why we're continuously pushing out new technology, smarter network planning, smarter solutions, and trying to figure out what is the easiest, smartest way of providing connectivity from you to me, from you to internet. Uh, and, and we've clearly stated that uh, uh, you know power is coming down and one example is of course 5G which is 90% more effective in transporting a bit than 4G in previous technologies. So, so that's clearly so. When it comes to um, the longevity of handsets yes. and etc., there are plenty of initiatives going on there as well. You know, in, in India, in, in Europe, you're uh, welcome to hand in your used handset and get a replacement phone, sometimes with a discount. We have, uh, together with 17 mobile operators, something called the, the Joint Audit Corporation, Jack. Uh, that is looking into how do we improve the supply chain, how do we improve the procurement process, and how yeah. do we think in a circular way. So that is certainly something that is, is ongoing as we speak. Now, if you look, you know, before we end, we, we've got to talk about the future. And we're here with COP, yeah. and we've had people, I was there yesterday in the Blue Zone, amazing, people from lots of different, and there was a guy from Africa, from Benin, and he said, what we need is we need help from the richer countries to help us to avoid emissions of the future, right. right? So, and a lot of people see that the mobile technology, the jump, no landlines, you go straight to a mobile phone. How do you, because it seems very much a Western world, a you know, first world thing, mobile, 
you know, there's this digital divide. What are you doing as an organization, as a group of all these companies, to try and make sure you don't leave the more vulnerable, the poorest people? See, that's a really good question. We call that the usage gap. Right. Right. So half of the world uh, population are connected to internet. Yeah. So 3.8 billion. 3.8 billion is not. And that's your question. Mm. Now, the, va the smallest part of that, so 500 million or so, they don't live beneath their coverage. They don't have 3G or 4G. 3.3 yeah. billion does. 3.3 billion people do. And for some reason, they don't connect. So why is that? Well, it's affordability. Yeah. It's too expensive. So we work with the World Bank to provide you know, much more uh, effective taxations so we can actually provide the service cost-effective to you. Affordability is one. Skills. Many operators have uh, developed their own from GSMA and other institutions, uh, skill um, training tools to up your skills. Yeah. Uh, that's, so that's number two. Number three, which is very tricky, is that the stigma around going out on the internet is quite stark. And we need to work to sort of normalize that, to say it's not only bad things, there's actually some good things as well on the internet. But I would argue that the biggest one is that there is no local relevant content there for me. So I have money, I'm not that afraid, I know how to use this thing, but you know, I've been out there, I've looked what Barack Obama looks like or what Washington looks like or London for that matter, but I don't find any use for it. So we need to be able to help entrepreneurs at the edge where it really matters to make their product, their innovation fly. Uh, so we're doing that through, through GSMA and we're investing a lot of money in, in our foundation to foster an entrepreneurial culture. Before we go, you've got this session today says mobile net zero. How can mobile tech help us net, reach net zero? In one, in one short sentence, what will it do? What will it do in 20 years time to have gotten us further on the path? Towards we will zero? be much more connected. We will have a huge amount of help from the connectivity, there you will have AI tools to better predict what's going to happen and therefore you can take a better decision. The decision will always be with you, but AI will help you and couple that with IoT, with sensors, so you have the correct information, you are connected ubiquitously everywhere. Uh, the life will be different, it will be much better. Matt, thank you for joining us on futurenetzero.com. My pleasure, thank you. And that's a real one that's going to run, isn't it? The digital divide as we transition to net zero. Let's see. It was a good talk with Matt's and seeing what, you know, the, the, the group representing mobile big players says. But let's see what's done. Uh, before we go, obviously, uh, today was Finance Day at COP. And there was a lot of big announcements about uh, what was happening. Uh, climate financing, 100 billion pledged to tackle climate change. More ambition was shown by countries. Norway, for example, said it was going to triple its adaptation finance. Japan, Australia, they're going to get involved. Involved. The UK, Rishi Sunak announced 100 million in new funding for a task force to help uh, climate finance, particularly with countries like Fiji. So a lot was said, but it didn't convince uh, a bunch of uh, Extension Rebellion protesters who decided today was the day they were going to go. In fact, there were a few arrests actually that took place, some scuffles outside uh, the offices. Dimi was there and he caught up with one of the protesters about why they were making a show today of all days we stand up here as resistance as the people united we stand up as one voice one planet one voice one planet today at cop is finance day 
So you'll be reading a lot about the financial initiatives, the pledges, the different net zero projects. So Extinction Rebellion today organized a march called the Greenwash March because a lot of investment companies, banks are all professing we are part of the solution. And of course, they are part of the solution. The primary goal to reduce emissions will not happen. The UN already say next year there will be more, the year after there will be more. By the end of the decade, there will be 60% more than they are today. So it will fail. There will be quite a lot of pledges. Uh, we've already had some. Uh, and at the end, Boris Johnson will say, uh, it did well. It will do better. It needs to do better, but it will do well. They've already said at the beginning it will not do well. Then yesterday they said it's getting better, and by the end. So they do not tell the truth that actually catastrophe is coming because nobody really, the big organizations, the media, the funders, the fossil fuel companies do not want to change. There's lots of good ideas, lots of good ideas, but the big players want it more or less the same. And it's sad and it makes me angry. And, you know, it's good to have those voices. You know, there are protesters. We'll be bringing you the voices from the young people. And not everyone is positive about COP, and that's the truth. So you have to tell the truth, and we will do so. So we'll bring you more reports on that. But just before you go, have a listen to this. <laughs> No chino and that's part of an interview I did, one of the best interviews I've ever done, with indigenous tribes people from the Amazonian rainforest. You'll be able to hear that in full uh, in a couple of days' time. We'll put it together and make a nice video as well. So Rob's working on that. But in essence, they represent in Brazil about 5% of the population but are in the habitat of 80% of the biodiversity is where indigenous people live. They need our help. And they gave a very passionate uh, and very expansive interview that we'll bring you in a couple of days. Thank you very much for listening. We've got much more going on tomorrow, which will be energy day. So we're going to try and get our rest. But uh, it's been great uh, today as well. Very different view of COP. Remember to subscribe to the Net Hero podcast. Get in touch, nethero at futurenetzero.com and follow us on social media. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com Better business, better planet.